Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Overcome Become podcast. With me, as always, my co-host, Humberto Kaufman. And today, we have a very classy man from out east, Blake Course. How are you doing today, sir? Doing awesome, guys. Really excited to uh, to get on here. But I did a podcast with Joe Seaman and um, and Jay just the other day. So I know, Humberto, you saw that. And I was like, I knew you guys had been doing this for a while. So this is something I want to do more of, honestly, is to, to kind of get out. And like, I love just having these conversations. Like, it's just right in the bodybuilding niche. And, you know, whether, you know, how many people watch doesn't really matter to me. It's just nice to have a conversation with some some different people about, uh, about the sport and about, um, you know, what's going on in bodybuilding. Yeah, what I like about this type of conversations too is that it's different than let's say what you would put perhaps on your stories or the content like this conversation some some other topics the tone is a little bit different some topics may come up and we, we can kind of just build on each other's points to kind of because you know the people that are following you of course are interested in a wide variety of topics regarding your prep and you know how you, how you do things and whatnot mm-hmm. uh so i think um I think having these conversations is important for people to kind of like get into the mindset of, 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 of an athlete, whether it's an amateur or a pro. Uh, so yeah, we're very excited to have you today. Yeah, no, Absolutely. pleasure guys, pleasure. Blake, before we even get started, man, um, of course, from myself and Humberto, we just want to say congratulations on the pregnancy. Photos are very awesome. We're very happy for the two of you. And also congratulations on um, signing with HD Muscle. That's huge, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. It's been like, honestly, I just feel like with the whole COVID thing, like so many things got bottled up. And now it's just like, all right. I'm getting married. We're getting married in three weeks too. So I got that coming up. I got the show coming up in five weeks. We're gonna have a baby in February of 2022. Uh, We just sold our house. So it's like literally like things have opened up and it's just gone crazy because like everything's been backlogged so long and like tired of like living in a cave. I want to do some stuff. So we uh, we're definitely doing those things. And uh, yeah, we couldn't be more excited to um, to do it. It's it's busy, but you know, it's just the way life is, right? So you're getting married two weeks out from your show. Yeah, yeah, I know. I knew you were gonna go there with that. And <laughs> How could we not, Blake? That's insane. It, it's like one of those things where, like, I um. So the way that this worked out, basically, I'll just give you a quick rundown. Is I was gonna do North Americans, um, which is like three. It was supposed to be three days before my wedding, which again was a pretty dumb idea, but. But it was a little bit better, I thought, because I would get the competition out of the way, you know, have some food, relax, get married, and then just like have some time to myself. But just with the border and like the way that travel is right now, like, I mean, the US is getting kind of crazier and crazier, even with like all this like stuff going on in the Middle East, sadly. So I just, I had this like overwhelming, I guess, stress of like getting down there and then getting stuck or something, right? Like if I get stuck down there, I got all this money in the wedding and like, you know, I'm letting so many people down, including my wife. So like, I, I can't be, I can't be doing that kind of thing. But I, I talked to Patrick, Patrick Tour is my coach. And uh, I just told him like, you know, there's a show that's two weeks after. I know it's obviously not ideal, but like, would we be able to get maybe a little bit in better shape and then have that day as like a total reset so like basically he's giving me the go ahead to just like you know i'm not like i've been doing this long enough where i'm not gonna like eat twenty thousand calories on my wedding day like i'm I'm gonna have some good food maybe have a couple drinks enjoy myself and then get right back on the plan the next day and like when you if it was a few days it would really really mess things up but two weeks i think you guys can agree that like once the water comes off get back on track like it's just gonna be a little you know be a nice little break to be honest well it's perspective for 
Oh, sorry, go ahead, Umberto. <laughs> sorry. I was going to say, we keep hearing these like horror stories from people going to the States and then coming back and just all these hurdles and, and yeah. obstacles that they have to overcome. So I'm, I'm, I, I can completely see where you're coming from. And the other thing regarding the planning, I can totally see that I, I would assume that a little bit of the timing and timeline had to do with uh, the topic of the wedding dress because, you know, you want to have the wedding at a point in which you know things are not too big you know what i mean like that's one thing that we were we were kind of like talking about because uh, we were planning on getting married last year as well my wife and i mm -hmm. and uh because of covid you know obviously we had to cancel that then yeah. we postponed it to this year things were still uncertain so we were like you know what let's just focus on the other family goals which, which were getting yeah. pregnant as well because we didn't want to kind of have to stress about that a little bit right uh, so yeah, the whole COVID scenario situation and competing in family life and everything has been definitely quite a ride over the last year and a half. So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, congratulations uh, to you and your wife as well on that. That's uh, thank you. Ma that's massive, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you, man. man everybody's having kids out here. Every single person. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like so much, so much for the test shutting you down. Eh? Like I'm like I'm I was mid cycle when it all happened. So like this obviously what? like it, it's funny. Like I was talking to quite a few people and they were like, because that was always a concern of mine. Obviously, I think anybody that has a family and wants to start a family, like mm -hmm. when they get into this, they they worry about those kinds of things. And it was a huge concern of mine, obviously. But um, yeah, it was like something where initially we were gonna plan just to like you know I was gonna come off have a big break after these shows and, and that was when it was going to happen but you know i was blessed to to have it happen when it did and um yeah i mean whenever it, it, it you can't plan these things really honestly it's like when it happens it happens and and we're excited so it's all good so question for you do you normally like once you're done with a competition um mm -hmm. do you normally do you taper off? Do you come off fully? Is it how long do you come off? If you do, do you uh, do you do a bridging type of approach? What do you normally do? So I've done every one of those things that you just mentioned. Um, okay. When I first started, I would PCT every time, come off completely, and like literally like turn into a bag of milk. Like I would look like a sack of potatoes within like ten weeks, and like I'd be like starting fresh again because like. I think at the beginning, I didn't have enough like muscle maturity to like keep a good look if I wasn't like running stuff. So that was like hard mentally, obviously, but like at the same time, it was probably a good break for the body. Then I went from that to like cruising between cycles, like low, like 150. Um, and I had good success with that too. But then when I started with Pat, he just said like, well, the show that didn't happen last year, that was ridiculous. But it got canceled. And then um, he, he just said like, it was a bit of a taper. Like, I think it was like three weeks and then I was off of everything. And then I stayed off of everything for like 10 weeks total. Um, but like, because I was so disciplined with like the training, it wasn't as intense and my food was like all on point. I didn't like really lose much of anything. Like if anything, like the little extra food, like I kind of filled out. And uh, when I, when I started back up, I got a lot of really good results. So I've done both. Um, I have clients too. And at the end of the day, it's obviously it's just a personal decision and people can see it both ways of why you would do one over the other. But I think at this point, unless you're doing like tons of shows in the year, if you have time, like ECT, come off, get everything like, you know, detox, get healthy and then fire it back up. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, what they end up doing is they 
because they're coming off or they taper in or whatever the case may be. It, I think mentally more than anything, it affects them to the point in yeah. which they're like, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be able to grow as much. I'm not going to be as strong. I'm not going to look the same. So that, that almost like starts to affect the way they follow everything else, nutrition, including. So it's almost like a snowball effect that had they remain disciplined with the nutrition as you did, for example, they would have realized, oh, this isn't really that bad. Maybe I dropped a couple of pounds. Maybe my strength went down a little bit, but not to the point where it could if you completely let go of uh, mm-hmm. everything else. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of external factors that put pressure on people to stay on too. Like there's a lot of like people that don't compete, but like do phenomenal stuff on like social media where they're putting out a ton of content and like the minute they don't look like hard as nails like people don't really care right so it's a sad reality that way but i think that like keeps people like okay if i'm not on i'm not gonna a make money and b like grow my audience so there's some external factors there for me it's always just been about competing like when i started i was like if i'm not getting better like i'm done kind of thing so it was like i would just I'm doing whatever it takes to like get better as a bodybuilder versus like feeling pressure to like look a certain way at the gym or like, you know, have to feel like I'm like huge all the time. And it's a nice feeling, I guess, but I don't care enough. I think at this point where like, I'm going to sacrifice my health to look a certain way year round. You know what? Um, I'm very similar to that, to a point in which I don't think I would even feel as motivated to be on shape, even for a photo shoot. For me, it's just all about the stitch and that's it. For a photo shoot, I know, you know, you're documenting your progress or whatever, but for me, it's just it's just not deep enough of a, because competing and getting into that mindset, it's 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 such a an intense and such a hard sport and it just involves so much out of you that, to me, it is the stage what makes me or ultimately brings the most out of in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas everything else, just looking good through the beach or even a photo shoot for me, in my personal case, it's just not softer in the off season. I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happier. I have a little bit more energy. My brain functions better. I can do a, mm-hmm. a lot more things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. Um, I wanted to touch on the competitive aspect. I, I, when you and I talked last year, um, I think you were mentioning that you were getting, you were definitely under the wake up. What's the wake up for you, for your height? So I'm the exact same height as Chris Bumstead. I'm like just over six feet tall. So I think he's six and a half inch. I'm like right there exactly. Um, so it's 220 as an amateur, 230 as a pro. Um, from what I remember when we were talking last time, you were about five to 10 pounds. You were going to end up like five, maybe 10 pounds under the weight cap. And it looks like this year you're, you've definitely come along to the point in which you might be closer to the weight cap. I've been like inching for years, man. Like when I first started, like I was like 190 pounds. So like to get, you know, 30 pounds of muscle is like, I've always been like a skinny kid growing up. I was, you know, in no means had like a mesomorph type body. It was always very slim. So I have no issue. Like, well, I shouldn't say I have no issue dieting, but the dieting side like comes easier to me than like putting on like big, you know, when you think about 220 on stage, like go back, like, you know, maybe 30 years, like we're talking like the some of the biggest open bodybuilders are 220 and i think nowadays like some of the guys that are like 242 fit like a lot of people exaggerate their weights too um it's, yep. it's a fun it's a funny thing because i don't think people realize like a lot it's a weird thing because classic physique is is weight and height right and i think that for the shorter guys like especially when you're like 
you know, five, 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 six, like it's so like those guys have to suffer so hard um, because the cutoff is so low. I mean, it's like 160, 170 pounds. So it's kind of a strange thing. And, and I really do think that it benefits in the long term the taller guys. And that's why you see Bumstead stand out so much is because he's massive when he's on stage. Like he's 230 pounds. He, he won his card as an open bodybuilder, North American. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, what kind of got him going. And he's probably put size on from there to compete in classic. So I think that, you know, obviously classic comes down to the shape and everything, but if you, you have to be, like you have to be big at that like pro pro level and to get back to your point about the weight like i'm 217 to 18 right now so i'm already three pounds under my cutoff it's never been an issue for me i wish i i was heavier but again it doesn't really matter they don't have a scale on stage type thing so Mm -hmm. i think it's still going to take me a year or two um to get to like dying to hit 220 kind of thing but i'd be really really happy this year i can come in like 212 213 it'll definitely be exciting either way that's for sure um i know for me being able to like do podcasts with people like yourself like you know two years ago before i ever stepped on a stage it was like i'd see you guys on instagram and i'm like wow like these guys look so impressive so to now be able to like go to nationals and you know basically be on the same stage like it's like a surreal feeling so you know what it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because like i've come from that point where like when i was like when i was 24 and i was first starting like there's people that are like in the amateur ranks that you like look at and you go, oh my God, you know, this like such a great like level of, of bodybuilding in Canada. And then like, it's been years, like Humberto, same thing. Like it's been years of doing this and you kind of like establish yourself. And I don't necessarily, it's not a bad thing, but like as like a top amateur, you know what I mean? Because in, in the US, I think if you have that kind of like look and density or whatever, you can go to like, 10 shows in the year and get it done up here. Like there's always been like two shows. Right. So, and it's always been the overall winner. So like when you see the kind of quality of the guys that do turn pro coming from here, it's, it it is quite uh, astounding. Like they're ready for the pro stage. And that's been something that like, I've changed my mindset on a lot is like getting to that point where like, now I look like, you know, well, I think I look could stand on stage with, with pros and like, finally, you know, after years and years that could be the case but um it's taken a long time to get to this point yeah the u.s has definitely a greater number of pro qualifiers through the year in pro mm-hmm. cards i mean yes it's slightly relative to the known to the population and the the participation of course in shows but uh yeah, you would see many examples in the States of people that they do their total debut, like first show, they look great, they qualify to the next to the pro qualifying level, and they just keep just doing these pro qualifiers, because in a lot of those pro qualifiers, you have top two per class turns pro, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to say it's easier, but it's a little bit more likely that if you remain consistent and put that work, that it happens in the state because of the numbers, mm-hmm. of the, the number of opportunities that you have. Whereas in Canada, we have, what was it, three pro qualifiers, and it's pretty much just overall winners, that's it. So it's, I mean, if you really think about it, winning the overall, one of these overall um, titles, it's 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 almost like a little bit more pride because you really know you're the top of the top because you meet absolutely mm-hmm. everyone, right? So mm-hmm. I think that has to do a little bit with, the, with what you're mentioning, the level that Canada is bringing to the, to the pro, just because of how, how much... Like how harder it is, so to speak, 
to turn professional in a given category in Canada. The States has, of course, amazing level, but it's just there's there's so many more opportunities that in some instances, instances let's just be honest, you, you'll see a picture of someone that turned pro and you're like, eh, that kind of looks like it would have been top five, top three at uh, one of the Canadian pro qualifiers, right? So Yeah, and it's like one of those things where like maybe you go to the Canadian Nationals and like let's say you don't nail your peak, right? Like let's say like something happens where you're not like 100%, like that's it for the year. You're coming back next yeah. Right? So like instead of like being like, okay, and maybe next weekend I'll do the uh, USA's or then I'll do the North Americans. Mm-hmm. Like you have a lot of opportunities to like maybe change your look and to, I, I did one year, um, what was it now? 2018. I did four pro qualifiers, like back to back to back to back. I traveled all over the place and did them. And I found that like, as I went through them, I got better. Like some people, like it's maybe not the case, but I found that like, you get to know your body so well when you're in that kind of condition that like, if you can just step on stage, like week after week, you're more confident. You're, you know, you figured out the peak a little bit better, you know, like how much water you need, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that was a lot of fun. Like I was like able to do a lot of shows and that's kind of like what we do this thing for. So it would be nice, obviously over time, if we could maybe get another one, maybe pull one in like, you know, out where you guys are, like out in Alberta or something like that, where, um, yeah. you know, just a little bit more opportunity. Cause you like, I, when I was talking to Joe Seaman, like he had the same thing. Like he went, I think it was 2017, 2018, and then 2019, he finally got his card. Then he stepped on the pro stage the day after and he finished top, he finished fourth, like at a low level show right after he won his card so there's a lot of quality coming out of canada um might not have the same numbers as as the u.s obviously but uh the, the you can see it even at the olympia level right like there's a lot of guys that canadian they're awesome how many pro qualifiers have you done in total uh, i've done seven seven yeah. Okay. And the plan this year, have you, do you have in the event, of course, you're likely just focusing on the nationals right now, but in the event you have to not pro qualifier, have you thought about other options out there uh, that you could potentially uh, like, do? You know what? I've had this like thing where it's like, and I do this every year, but like I man, I've just been manifesting, like get the card at this show and then compete right. as a pro at the Toronto pro in December. Like, Nice. I mean, there's nothing stopping somebody from coming and beating me, but like if I have a different mindset where I've always, you know, flirted with the, oh, if I don't get it here, I'll go here. But it's like, I think you just got to put it all on there. And if you disappoint yeah. yourself, so be it, right? Like it's just, it's just one of these times you, you got to strike gold and it's going to happen. And hopefully it's this time. Yeah, that happens to me. Uh, quite often as well. Like I have a show in mind and I'll talk to my wife. I was like, well, there's this other show too in the event. She's like, why are you focusing on other shows? I know, my wife does the same. Yeah, yeah, get the same thing. Yeah, yeah, be more confident. Yeah, we need them to kind of like set us back on track mindset-wise. And, and, you know, it's funny because I think you're a great example of um, what I like in the external aspect because you're humble in the external. But as you mentioned, you have to be, very confident in, mm-hmm. internally but you don't you don't really talk too much about you know you'll see a lot of guys being like oh, already won just watch me you know this is being a little bit too overconfident almost yeah, which i understand yeah. what they're trying to do they're, yeah. they're trying to like put it out there manifested but i think there's ways and sometimes they overdo it i think sense. like 
to that point, like you just got to be, I'm realistic, right? Like, I think I know coming into the show, like who's going to do it and like who, you know, could potentially, you know, who could potentially beat me. And I, I could, I have an eye where like, I'll look at someone and be like, like a good example is like uh, Justin from out in Alberta, right? Like he tore his bicep. He has so much muscle maturity that like we would bring completely different looks. And he has like that dense grainy, like almost like a bodybuilding look, but could be favored. And it has been favored in the past in Canadian shows. And I've got more of like, I don't want to call it a fresh look, but like more like, you know, maybe cleaner lines, et cetera, et cetera. He beats me in, in many areas. And then I think I'd beat him in other areas. So for me, like I would look at him and say like, he's the guy to beat type thing. He tore his biceps really unfortunate. I was actually looking forward to, to competing as him because I never had the chance, but um, with him not competing, I know like there are a few other guys out there that have been putting the time in kind of thing. But to your point too, Humberto, I like, I see some young guys who are just like, this is my time and stuff like that. I'm just like, I, I don't, I'm not getting involved with any of that, but I'm just like, <laughs> this, not yet I'm young man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Give it a few years and then we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, you I, I, I don't mind that mindset either, right? Like I think I probably did that three four years ago too. So it is what it is. I think seeing that stuff's more interesting than anything, to be honest, right? Like you see it, it's entertaining. You see the long winded posts or whatever, and yeah. it's like, oh. Well, that's, that's something, you know, like it catches your eye, but you kind of look at them and you're like, humble yourself. You just got to be, be a bit realistic, right? Like, yeah. yeah, I think you're setting yourself up a little bit for disappointment that way. Um, if you, if you really truly do believe that, but then I think sometimes it's, a lot of it's a front, right? Guys are just putting like long winded messages together, maybe to convince themselves or something, but uh, yeah, I, that, knows, I, think, I, think, I can't get in the mindset of that. I, See when when I when I coach and I've run into these types of people as well. What I try to do is I try to manage expectations. I try to manage with my clients. I try to manage um, even their mindset and their attitude. Like there's some people that are like that in which you know they haven't really done much and they're like just talking and posting about it. So I I, I do my best to politely kind of like bring them back to reality a little bit. Listen, you haven't really done that much. You look great. I'm not trying to bring you down, but at the same time, as you mentioned, you have to be realistic. Whereas at the same time, you have people that look amazing, their potential is limitless. And then they almost have to be brought up because they're yeah. too humble or too shy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's 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 finding that uh, that fine line between too confident and too humble and almost like not believing in yourself that, uh, that it almost makes me wonder if, if the coach sometimes has a little bit to do with them just going overboard with this because you know, they are their guidance in every single aspect, not only nutrition. Like if I see a guy acting like that, I, I would kind of like just have a conversation with him. I was like, listen, like you don't want to put yourself in a position in which you're going to look silly if this doesn't really happen and go your way, right? So, and that also looks bad at me, so. Same thing could be said, though, for some coaches. Like, without saying any names, there are some coaches out there who, uh, you know, call people future Olympians, right? And they haven't uh, even stepped on a stage yet. So when you see that, you're like, okay, you should probably relax a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, yeah sure. that happens a lot in the uh yeah in the fitness industry it's uh it's something that is definitely and there's a difference again 
there's a difference I think between just manifesting and putting it out there and and, and just being almost like almost like too much it's, uh, cock, that, it's that, cocky that, versus it's cocky versus confident right like there, there, there's exactly. definite there's definite levels like if like you know someone shows out of a regional and they look phenomenal and then they win their class and then they start saying like oh I'm going to smash everyone at nationals or like that's like if I win my pro card and I go all, all of a sudden on Instagram and I'll go like, I'm going to, you know, go to the Olympia at the Toronto pro. Like I have like an expectation that I would do well at a pro show, but I'm not thinking I'm going to crush everyone there and like just move up the ladder. You know, there's no shortcut. There's, there's really no shortcuts. And I, I think, you know, I, I heard someone one time at the gym say like, you know, once I like become a pro, then I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you got to first become a pro. And like mm -hmm. to someone who's been trying to do that for like a number of years you know it's not easy at all they don't give these things away and like it's almost like you know uh, disrespectful in the sense that like yeah. you you just assume you can do that without you know putting the effort and the time in um you're gonna find out pretty quick you're not gonna get there when you hear stuff like that i think of people like ron partlow who literally grinded for the better part of what was it like over 10 years to get his pro card so when you hear stuff like that like it is extremely disrespectful to the guys who have done yes, pro yes. qualifier after pro qualifier and for a surplus of years and all the sacrifices to finally get a card so it's like come on man like i think sick. of like the guy and who just started lifting and they're like i'm gonna be a pro and then there's guys like dorian hamilton who has like cannonball shoulders looks like a comic book character and he's an amateur like i mean he hasn't competed in a long time i'm actually really excited for him to get back on stage he's doing the national show and he hasn't competed in like five years but there's guys with so much like tissue and like development and longevity and then like there's somebody who's been working out for like six to eight months and they're like when i'm a pro kind of thing but yeah i know i know what you guys mean for sure yeah yeah and I, I can't tell you how many times i've seen uh and, and, and including myself with personal experience you win a provincial level or regional level show that very often means very little at the pro qualifying because again you're going to be going against people that have consistently requalified and they've been knocking on the door of becoming a mm -hmm. professional and and i get the excitement from you know i just won that regional you're you were the best at that show absolutely but uh the reality is that one canada has very high level two you never know who's going to show up and uh that to me was super evident on the last show that i did uh the last show that i did was the toronto pro qualifier in 2019 that's the year that Kim won it. Literally, you he came from the other side of the world. He came from all the way from Korea. He oh, was a bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. Right. He he went, you know, he switched from bodybuilding because he had done bodybuilding for a while, switched down to came down to classic, and he was he was lights out. Like in the overall lineup, it was just him and everyone else. Uh so literally he won, he won the pro show. He won the pro show the day after exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he qualified, yeah. you know, he went from amateur to qualifying to the Olympia within a, the same freaking day. And that's so the it's, thing. It's, it's, yeah, that's the thing. There's no know, stopping so, someone like that from showing up, right? So like if you you're gonna think you're the best, like you know, there's a lot of people in the world that can show up and beat you, you know? So yeah, to your point, like you don't want to look like a jackass and say like, <laughs> like pro card incoming and all that crap. Cause uh, you never know. Exactly. Absolutely. That right there is like the perfect example of like levels when it comes to uh, competition, but just switching gears a little bit. Cause I do want to ask this. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know of course you go to pure muscle fitness, your type of all the guys, how did the HD, um, you know, partnership come about? Cause I know nowadays it's a bit more common for a supplement company to actually bring on like a, like a high ranked amateur athlete, but 
before it was kind of unheard of. Like I've heard of one other person and it was Cody Drobot. So I'm just kind of curious, like how it came yeah. about with you and Dorian and Noah? Yeah. So um, I've known Dorian for who, since 2015, maybe a little bit earlier than that, just from the gym, like just he's from Burlington. So we're from the same city and uh, he actually coached me for the longest time. Um, so, you know, we're, we've been really pretty close for, for quite some time and same with his brother and uh, that whole kind of crew. So um, I had like a little bit of an inside with those guys but to that point like i worked in the supplement industry myself so i worked for uh fusion um nutrition and you know the makers of purple k and uh, they're based out of like mississauga here so um when that opportunity came up like it was like a full-time position it was a really good kind of corporate gig that i was working through so at that point hd muscle was like just starting out and they reached out to me and obviously you know with working at fusion i'm not going to be an hd athlete with a conflict and interest. So um, I went through the whole, you know, rigmarole of like working through COVID and doing that and learning a lot about the industry. And that was, you know, very insightful and I've always kind of been like the corporate, like nine to five type person. And it was just like a really, really great opportunity. Um, so I, I learned a ton there. And then uh, from there, I just, I wanted to do some more stuff on my own and to, to focus on like my coaching and to focus on my, my training and everything. So I, I just said like, you know, it was becoming a lot and I just um, wanted to take a step back, wanted to, you know, do some different things with my life. So I had uh, I told uh, you know, the owner there that, um, you know, it was going to be part of the go forward plan. And then I took some time and then I reached out to Dorian not long after and said, like, if the opportunity is still there, I'd like to, you know, do, um, you know, a bit of a, a deal with you guys. And, and to me, like the biggest thing was just the interest in um, his content. So like they do such a good job of putting out like high quality YouTube videos and training stuff and, and all that. So that was, you know, something I was interested in. So I'm actually shooting with them um, this Thursday to do some kind of like catch up about like the prep and, and leading into nationals and then probably do something afterwards, uh, you know, when I'm done the show too. So that was, um, yeah, that was sort of how, how I got hooked up with those guys. It's huge, man. I love hearing like stories like that, honestly, because it's like the come up was there basically when he was your coach. And then it's like now a few years down the road, you know, after the work experience in the industry, it's like reconnecting like that is just great to see. Yeah. Um, he's, he's always been like a super like loyal guy too. And like takes care of like the people around him. Uh, he's done phenomenal with like uh, just bodybuilding, like being a business. Right. So he's someone that like, I like to be around and like to, you know, um, bounce ideas off of because he's, you know, he's got the gym, he's got the supplement line. He's now he's selling gym equipment there and he, he's really taken the entrepreneurial approach to bodybuilding and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So I uh, wanted to definitely, you know, partner up with him and, and see what, uh, what he can do with the brand. Cause there's still so much opportunity for those guys to grow. And, um, you know, they've already got the branding down. They have so many top awesome athletes in that, but, uh, yeah, they're just, they're just kind of starting. So it's exciting. Their growth is insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, well, congratulations on that, Blake. That's absolutely huge. And I love seeing the partnership for sure. So kind of a fan of like, uh, Mike Van Wick, like I always watch like the, the HD videos because it's always interesting to kind of just hear how he trains certain muscle groups or puts the guys through certain workouts in mm -hmm. comparison to everybody else. It's, mm -hmm. it's always like a learning experience, especially as a coach to see those things. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to the content that you guys put out as well. Um, so I, I guess 
the question I would have then, let's say, let's just say, for example, let's say you win the card at Canadian Nationals, you do Toronto Pro in December, your kid is going to be born shortly after, newly married. What does the next couple of years look like? Does it look like being a dad and focusing on coaching or does it look like continuing to, you know, compete? <laughs> I wish I had a good answer for that. Like my wife would like if I had a more solid answer than I'm about to give you. But like <laughs> right now, man, like just because there's so much going on and like I know Humberto, you know this too. Like when you're five weeks out, it's just like I literally think about the show nonstop, think about my training nonstop. Like there's really not much opportunity for me to plan like too far past that. And I think that's really I've done a good job of like kind of compartmentalizing my life where like I'll focus on, you know, one thing at a time because it can be overwhelming with, you know, 30 different moving pieces. And that was why, like when I was driving, you know, I was driving like over an hour back and forth to work, working like eight, nine hour days that were like really, really slammed full of like stuff going on and, and really kind of high stress to be honest that it was like I was just burning the candle at both ends for the longest time like it was like over 10 years like in a nine to five kind of desk job and this is the first opportunity I've had where I'm able to take a step back and to really really focus on like you know everything to do with with fitness and bodybuilding and it's I'm very fortunate to have be in a position where like I can do that because I know most guys like some guys work like crazy like I got a client he works like 12 hour night shifts and stuff and like still gets it done it's doable but like man is it, is it a lot easier when you when you don't have those those uh, responsibilities too so um yeah right now it's just the focus is on five weeks and then after that i'm going to decide when i'm in the off season and i got a little bit more food in me what uh what, what it looks like after that but I, I will keep competing for sure right on um and i know humberto you had a question about patrick tour the coaching well uh, uh i know you've been working with patrick since i think it was last year 2020 uh was it like yeah let me think so i started with him yeah it was it was 2020 so i was gonna do the um, I guess Canadian nationals with him. And I started with him like, uh, 16 weeks out. So like, how do you right like, uh, how do you like working with him? Uh, I mean, I, I know what it, what it is like to work with him. And I loved it. Uh, but I want to, I want to get your take on, uh, you know, how do you consider his approach perhaps as, as different from other, other coaches that you've had before? Um, what are the things that you've learned from him? How do you like working with him altogether? Mm -hmm. So for me, like I, I've always been, I was coached by Dorian, right? And then I was coached by mm -hmm. Pat. So their like methods are actually fairly similar. Um, so it wasn't like a huge adjustment in terms of like nutrition, PDs. Um, the big change I, I would say would be the training. Like he's very like organized with how he wants you to perform sets. There's a lot of like intensifiers, like there's a lot of cluster sets, drop sets, time sets. I'm not really used to that. I'd, before I was kind of just instinctually going in and like, you know, I always push myself, but it wasn't as structured. So the training has been a big difference with Patrick. Um, and then I would say, honestly, just uh, he is like, he's just a really nice, like caring guy. Like he really gives a shit about how you do. And like, I, I, I feel that from him. So I think that like having that relationship, like, I don't think I would do well. Like, I know there's a few coaches out there, like who are just like, they, they play like really hard ball with you, right? Like you, you get like no love from them. Like it's none of that. I need to like, I need the, like, you look good. Like everything's going well kind of thing. And, and he's great that way. So I, yeah, I just think that he's a really good person and every athlete he has looks sensational. And that was sort of like the, the bridge for me to from Dorian to him, because 
basically the reason that I made that change was Dorian was just starting out with the supplement business. And like, he was so, he was spread thin, right? Like he had like three different businesses on the go. He's still coaching like Olympians and stuff like that. And, and we had a chat and I just said like, if I wasn't to use you, like what, what would you be your thoughts on Patrick tour? And then he was saying like, I think Pat's one of the best guys in the world. And like, I think you'd, you'd, you do really well with him. So from that point, I reached out to Pat, Pat took me on and uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been an awesome couple of years. And that has a lot to say about Dorian as well, because a lot of coaches may take offense to that. They may act a certain way. Like they they'll be almost like mad at you because you're considering other options. But I think, the real good coaches that care about you as not only as, a, as an athlete, but also as a person, they just want the best for you, regardless of what they may be. They would, of course, prefer that it's under their guidance. But if it's not like they, they're just, you know, the fact that he even gave you that opinion and that little feedback about tour, that's just... And that happens, I think, with also successful coaches because some of them that may be a little bit insecure about their own abilities may get that defensive type mm -hmm. of, uh, of attitude, I think. But uh, And that's another thing that is very important, I think, for people to realize when they're, when they're looking for a coach. I think a lot of people get almost too carried away with you know, the pictures that they see of their athletes, whatever the content the coach, uh, the coach posts. It's also a matter of digging a little bit deeper to see whether you're compatible, compatible mm -hmm. uh, perhaps with the coach, whether it's the approach or just the personalities, right? The personalities may not click and that's, that may be a little, you might be able to go through a prep, but it's, there may be a better option in that regard for you to actually try a different approach and a different style of communication. Of course, at times the language barrier could be a thing, but Patrick's English is really good. Um, mm -hmm. So then there's not, not an issue there. So that's, I think something that it's, again, most people, especially if they're starting, they don't do, I think, enough of research to find out whether it, it just goes, it, it should go beyond the price, beyond what you see in social media. It should go a little bit farther than that. You know, what, maybe ask a little bit of questions regarding the things that are important to you other than the actual just information that you're going to get, right? Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't agree more. It's like, I think too, when you're first starting out, it is helpful to have someone local that like maybe you know, or you've had conversations with about like how X, Y, and Z work. Because um, as you get further, like the plan is like from Pat, it's very detailed. If I was just to be starting out and I was to receive something like that, I'm not sure I could stick to it, to be honest, because uh, it's just like there's supplements with every meal. Like it's very like regimented and, and that. So it's like almost like, I'm not saying like when you start, you need a beginner's plan, but like work your way through the system, especially before you're going to spend, you know, an exorbitant amount of money on like a, like a guru, like one of these top guys. It's like maybe find somebody that's in your wheelhouse that you know and that you trust. And then once you've kind of established that with them, then it might be a good time to like seek out like an Aceto or a tour or, you know, one of these mm -hmm. big name guys. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, they think like just is the coach, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, oh, okay, if I go with uh you know andrew vu i'm gonna be shredded it's like well you're the one doing the stepper and, and eating you know fish That's and right. broccoli <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not it's not necessarily just the coach so 
I think people, they can learn a lot from different people and different methods. And I've been fortunate, you know, to learn from two of the great ones. And then I now have that, you know, info like with me, right? So it's it's a good investment too. But at the same time, yeah, I think if, you, if you're just starting out and then look for someone who's had good results, maybe at the at the lower levels before you you go to like one of those like top, top guys. When you, um when you, comp- if you were to compare your previous prep, the one leading up to the Toronto Pro Qualifier last that got canceled and this prep for the nationals are there any differences whether it's on the mindset whether it's on the training or the nutrition that you can kind of compare the two against and or or basically the question i'm asking i'm asking is how are you guys primarily trying to become better from the last prep yeah that's a good question so i the the major major thing was the off season right like i um i've been sucked into that like competing a million times kind of mentality and like never really taking enough time to grow and I think with COVID, like it was literally like Groundhog Day. Like I had access to a gym the whole time and you know, without a whole ton of stuff going on, it was literally like wake up, eat, train, sleep. And I kind of went through that for a while. When I was in the off season, I got the heaviest, the biggest, the strongest I've ever been. Um, thankfully with very little like injuries, like minor stuff. And then I was able to progress a lot. And then once like we started coming back down, like it was like, I had a full like setup with Pat. And I think that when people, again, this goes back to coaching, like, when you're looking for a coach, like you should start with an off season if you're in shape you start with an off season before you go into a prep because like if you come to someone 12 weeks out like you don't know how much they've been eating their metabolism and all that like i was up to like you know like the 400 grams of rice per meal like pat really feeds you so i was like crushing food i was like you know mid 240s with like pretty good condition and then once i started tapering back down like a few days like right now two days a week i'm eating like 300 grams of rice per meal like a friggin nice. uh, bunch of oats like 150 grams of oats in the morning um like i'm eating so it, it's good but then like versus last year i think i didn't have the same kind of like i didn't have the same kind of tissue so it was like i really had to like starve you know and this year like I'm still really hungry, but I'm eating like quite a bit more um, than I was last year going to that prep just because I think I had a lot more body fat to lose. And this year, like I stayed a little bit more trim. My training has been has been really good. So it's been pulling a lot of calories off me being a little bit bigger, you burn more calories. So it's just a combination, but I think at the end of the day, it's just uh, time, right? Like more time, like every year you get better. And that's why the best bodybuilders in the world are mid thirties, right? Like you don't develop that tissue unless you're like a genetic freak. Like there's, there are mm-hmm. guys, like you think about Quentin, I think he's like 24, 23. Like there's obviously wow. Chris Bumstead. Like those guys have like that grainy muscle maturity at a young age, but like 9.9 out of 10 guys don't have that. So it takes time. Like when I first started, like if I would to see myself like five, six years ago, like I, I would think like I'm like string bean, you know what I mean? And now I'm still trying to chase that, that size, but it, it's like every year you chip away. And I think if you're consistent with it over time, like you know, everybody can get better and I'm still doing that myself. And that's just it. I mean, people don't realize how much consistency and time and patience this requires. Uh, I think nowadays many people are just expecting that pro card in the first go, the first attempt, the first year. And uh, I think very often too, when they don't get it, because it's very unlikely that you get it the first time time around. I mean, it can happen, Mm -hmm. but it's unlikely. And when they don't get it, it's just, they become so frustrated because that's that was their expectation and what they thought was the norm. 
uh, they just become so demotivated and some, sometimes they, they quit. Like I didn't, like this is what I tell people, I didn't even win my class until my sixth show. Like I, I was second, third many times. I won my class until my sixth show. I've done a total of 16 shows so far and as long as there's improvement, that to me is what matters the most. You're trying to improve by as much as possible every single time. Now, obviously the mix of competitors that you'll have at different shows, especially once you start doing pro qualifiers, some pro qualifiers are like the Canadian Nationals, just Canada. Then you'll go, I believe you did uh, one show in Bermuda. Was it 2019 or 2018? Yeah, I did the Bahamas one. So that was the first time they did that like Caribbean show. And like, I just thought that was the coolest idea ever. Cause like I took uh, family, like my mom came down with uh, my wife and uh, we stayed like, it was at the Atlantis, which is like such a nice resort and you're in the best shape of your life. So I was just kind of thinking like, I thought it was a good opportunity to win my card, but at the same time, like after the show, like you're absolutely shredded on a beach. Like it was the only time in my life where like it was a ridiculous like kind of situation, but it was a lot of, yeah, I did that. So that, that was one of those 2018 shows. And then I went from the far extreme of being in the Bahamas and then we flew the next week to Iceland and I did the Iceland show. Wow. Yeah. How was that show? <clears throat> that show was so much fun too, because I had like no expectations of Iceland. I just, this is going to sound bad, but I was like, who the fuck lives in Iceland? Like, I'm going to get my car there. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. and then I got there. I was like, holy shit, there's 17 guys in my class. So there was, there was 17 guys in my class. I won my class there. And then it was one of those ones where like I had that, I really got let down at that one because I, I had won the class and then I was, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, like you need your card now. And then there was, there was an older guy, a French guy, and he was short uh, in the short class. And uh, he just had that like really dry looking tissue and he ended up winning the overall. And, uh, but yeah, no, the Iceland in general is just like such a cool place. Like we did, um, there's like this like outdoor blue, they call it the blue lagoon. It's like a giant um, thermal spa. Like it's like natural, but it's like all like, you know, heated by volcanoes and stuff like that. And like the landscape there, it's like Lord of the rings kind of stuff like anywhere you drive is just like gorgeous and it's actually not far either like from toronto i think it was like a four and a half five hour flight like it was it's on the way to like europe right so like you kind of just go a little bit up and into the like, you know the ocean there and yeah it's a really really cool place so i actually went back a year after and did it again <laughs> 2019 you did that show again yeah and it was the worst show of my life because like i was just like i had checked out like i did a show i think it was like a month before i think i did the toronto show and i did really i i won my class there and then i it was just i had a bad mentality going into it i thought i tried to play the game where i was like what's gonna happen if i eat like two full chocolate cakes you know what i mean like what's gonna what's gonna happen if i eat like three thousand grams of carbs let's just see kind of thing and i went there with my dad and i ended up uh, i think i finished seven at that show so it was the worst okay. placing i've ever had i was like super like wet on stage and like sweaty and like it was just like i spilled so bad so it was a good like learning opportunity because in the back of my mind i don't know if you guys have ever felt this way before but i'm like i always felt like i was flat like i always mm-hmm. thought like okay like i think that you know the day after the show like when you wake up and you're just like you've eaten like three hamburgers and like 20 pounds of fries and you just look crazy <laughs> i was like let's try that like let's see what happens with that on stage but that's like a photo shoot look and not a competitive body, but like I did not have the lines I needed. I was, I looked like, I looked like shit. So that, uh, that was a good learning lesson, but not a good show for me. Yeah. It's very interesting how, um, especially as you get deeper into a prep, you start to flirt with justification a little bit too much. Oh, yeah. Like, ah, well, I'm on track, you know, even if the coach says, 
Oh, you look great. Well, maybe I can afford to do this or that. Oh, no one's going to know. But, but you know, and I think even though no one knows, your subconscious starts to kind of like, you, 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 you know you're not at 100%. So then from there, I think it's a slippery slope, slope towards just continuing down, down that road. I've, I've been there m- multiple times. Actually, I was starting to slip last prep uh, for the Toronto Pro Qualifier. Uh, my justification was that it was just, it was still the items in my diet, right? So I would still clean items, still in additional calories, even if it's rice and oatmeal, uh, that is going to affect your look. And to me, my justification was that uh, because the shows have been postponed so much, I almost started to feel like I just didn't really care. Like I had beaten my previous best according to what I thought it was. And I was like, you know what? I, I stopped caring about the show. Like it started to become, for me, it started to become about just finishing the prep, prep for the sake mm-hmm. of finishing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was 11 days out where I like mentally checked out. And I'm not going to lie, when the show got canceled, I was kind of glad because I knew I wasn't I wasn't finishing as strong as I could have. Like, yeah, I looked fine. Patrick was happy with the look, but I knew it could have been a little bit better, a little bit harder. And that has nothing to do with Patrick's instruction. Like he's basically going based on what he sees in what I report, right? So it's 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 tricky. And 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 it's it's especially interesting to see how you're able to mold your mindset and keep things under control. If you're, I don't know if you've ever coached yourself. I'm coaching myself for this prep. I've done it before and both have advantages and disadvantages, I think. I find that I personally am a little bit more strict if I coach myself. That's just me so far just because I have absolutely no one to blame. And it's just a comment of my on, on my coaching as well because if I'm following my own instructions and I look like shit, then what is that going to say, you know, when I step on stage looking like that, right? So that is one of, that is the main reason. I learned a lot from, uh, from Patrick last year, a lot. And I just kind of wanted to apply what I learned towards my, with my own knowledge. And I decided to kind of give it a go on my own. So far, things are going really well. Uh, a couple of hiccups, you know, little minor injuries, my shoulder and, uh, and, and a couple other things. But um, my show is going to be, it's going to be four weeks after you guys. So I, I'm going to go, go to the nationals. I'm not competing at the nationals but I will be four weeks out then. So it's going to be definitely motivating seeing, you know, the best in Canada before I fly to Mexico to do my, to do my own show. Yeah. That Mexico show looks awesome. That's a really cool uh, thing that you got set up there. Well, uh, I am promoting one show, which is September, September 25th in Cancun. That is a regional show. Then three weeks after that is the show that I'm going to be competing in, which is a pro qualifier in the North Mexico, the city of Monterey. So that one is an international pro qualifier as well. Uh, so that is that is the one that I'm planning on doing. So right now, uh, hopefully things will will happen. Right now, most of Mexico is in orange zone, which is the one before red. So uh, you know that's why I'm starting to kind of you know when I asked you about that Bahamas show, that's another option that I that I've kind of eyed a little bit. Just mm-hmm. trying to be prepared. I'm not thinking of trying. I'm trying not to think about other shows, but I also at, at the same time I need to be prepared in the event this one show yeah. doesn't happen. I do yeah. want to compete. This different time of uh you know in the world right so you gotta be thinking of those things it's kind of strange how it's like the the norm now eh yeah i know unfortunately like literally needing a backup plan just in case because Mm -hmm. the reality is like anything could happen but in any case blake we don't want to take too much of your time um we do want to say thank you very very much for just making the time coming on hanging out with us and i wanted to ask you if you're not too busy after canadian nationals if you'd like to come back on and just recap the show with us if I'd love, there. yeah, I'd love to. I would love to. I'm, I'm good anytime you guys, uh, you know, want to want to chat. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. It might be a little bit crazy right after, but at some point, we'll for sure link up and 
yeah, hopefully I'll have my like little uh little card or whatever you get. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Well, best of luck with the rest of prep and uh we will see you in Toronto in I guess just over four weeks. All right, guys, look forward to that. All right. Thank you, Blake. Have a great day. All right, you Take too. Care. All right, bye guys.